Here we go. It's another big week in the NFL for the New England Patriots. This is the Patriots Wire podcast, powered by USA Today Sports. Now your host, Ryan O'Leary and Patriots Wire editor, Henry McKenna. For, for Mac, when he comes out of the game, having generally taken care of the ball and made some good decisions, even if they resulted in an incomplete pass or a possession that ended in a punt or a field goal, um, that's not, you know, that to me, I don't look at all those and say, wow, what a disaster that was. You know, sometimes you have to understand what could have been in terms of worse scenarios uh, to appreciate uh, kind of how a possession ended the right way. Josh McDaniels, offensive coordinator of the Patriots, Henry, talking about uh, Mac Jones and, and basically kind of reminding us that, uh, you know, he's okay. You know, even when drives tend to stall out or, or if Mac throws a ball a mile over Hunter Henry's head when he's wide open going into the end zone, right? He's not as frustrated as he would be if that ball ended in an interception, right? So he's still kind of reminding us that Mac Jones is a rookie. We're still managing him. We're still happy as long as he's not making killer mistakes and he's progressing from week to week and, and attacking defenses the way we want him to. And it kind of gets us into this discussion, I think, this week, coming off an article you wrote on the Pats Wire about how Josh McDaniels is scheming up yards after the catch. We can call that yak. And we saw a lot of examples of that in this game against the Titans. And although Mac Jones's numbers looked good in the box score, plenty of folks out there have been writing that you know, this is this was not a good game for Mac Jones. I think PFF graded him uh, pretty low. And you wrote about how you you thought Josh McDaniels had a much better day than the quarterback did. So let's start there. What kind of inspired that article for you to write about the yak yard specifically and, you know, kind of dig deeper into what McDaniels is doing with the uh, the young quarterback? When you look at how Mac Jones fared on the stat sheet on Sunday against the Titans, you see a quarterback who has evolved and looks like one of the better quarterbacks in the NFL. And that stat line is 23 of 32, which is about 70% completion percentage, 310 yards and two touchdowns, zero turnovers. So no interception, no fumble. He took two sacks. He was facing a lot of blitzes too, but that's technically if we're just going on paper. So that's what it looks like. But when you watch the game, you didn't see a quarterback who was playing at a high level, which it sounds almost harsh and Patriots fans are very sensitive about their their number 10 now. <laughs> yeah, um, and, and we're on this six-game win streak and nobody wants to hear it. But but we, we gotta right. we gotta talk about what's actually happening on the field. So go ahead, Henry. Go ahead. Don't let it stop you. Yeah. <laughs> no. And and so the way that those yard those yards, which over the last, you know, six weeks during the win streak, Mac Jones's yards per attempt has increased, meaning every time he throws the ball, it's going further than than in the first um, six games when they were two and four. So you'd think he's making progress. But here's the thing. His average depth of target has decreased from the first six weeks over the last six weeks. So in the first six weeks, I think he was throwing 7.8 yards per target. And in the last six weeks, he's thrown... 7.5 so he's throwing it shorter but the ball is ultimately traveling further why well you you use the keyword or expression uh yards after catch that was something that you and i talked about early 
on this podcast about what the offense wasn't doing well enough. They weren't generating yards after the catch. They needed, in order for this offense to have big plays, Mac Jones was going to be the point guard, and he needed a supporting cast that generated that big play. So they tried to see if Mac Jones could push the ball downfield repeatedly this season. And, and it's not like he's not throwing deep. He threw the ball 20 yards past the line of scrimmage. He did that four times. He was two of four. That's actually a really good efficiency level for that area of the field, at least at least when it comes to him. <laughs> um, right, right. So this is all kind of like advanced stat jargon. What I'm, what I'm saying is Mac Jones has not actually improved at pushing the ball down the field, but Josh McDaniels has bettered the way that this offense is generating yards after the catch. So, and it's all, it's a part of it is you see a guy like Kendrick Bourne score that touchdown against the Titans. Amazing play where, you know, he, it looked like six defenders could have tackled him on the way up the sideline. And somehow he shakes all of them, throws a stiff arm, ends up in the end zone, huge play. And tons of yards after the catch because he was only like the depth of that target was like six yards or eight yards or something. Shallow crosser is what that route is called. But that's a big play by Bourne. It was also generated in part by where McDaniels had Jacoby Myers set up for when the catch happened. Jacoby Myers was downfield and was able to set a block that was pivotal in springing Bourne for extra yards. The exact same thing happened earlier in the game with uh, Nelson Aguilar after a Jacoby Myers catch. Jacoby Myers caught the ball on a shallow crosser, six yards maybe. But because Nelson Aguilar was able to throw a lengthy block, Myers was able to get to the sideline, get around that cornerback who is sort of setting the edge. But not, I mean, that's more of an expression for the run game, but but that cornerback's supposed to kind of be there in the event that Myers gets upfield and the cornerback couldn't because Aguilar is there. So that again, engineering extra yards by putting players in strategic places to generate, it's almost like a, it's almost like a screen pass and you don't usually see like screen passes sort of occur downfield because you want offensive linemen to be blocking. That's the whole idea. That's the beauty of a screen is you get your offensive linemen into space and you you sort of like neutralize the defensive line so that the offensive lineman can block linebackers and spring a, a running back, you know, past that level, that second level of the defense. This is different because you have receivers downfield who are blocking at that defensive back level, almost like the screen game. And it, you can't usually do that because receivers aren't usually good blockers, not good enough to really hold on to their man like that. So that's one of the strengths of this offense. It's a random, honestly, a random strength uh, and not one that usually you would brag about for an offense, but it's actually creating really big plays for them. And that's huge. That happened multiple times. The other thing McDaniels is doing that's unique, at least, you know, it's starting to develop, is he's, he's using Nelson Aguilar, who admittedly has been underwhelming this year. He's using Nelson Aguilar to clear spaces, uh, same with Jacoby Myers. Um, and that helps, particularly Johnny Smith, find sort of gaps in coverages. And there's a really good play that 
McDaniels drew up. Honestly, you should, if you're listening to this and you're interested, you should just dive on the Patriots wire or Google how Josh McDaniels is helping wipe away Mac Jones' shortcomings. And I break down a number of plays that, that show how it's happening. Ultimately, it's McDaniels who's really engineering the come up of this offense. Kendrick Bourne was talking about it. McDaniels is getting to know his pass catchers in a way that he didn't right away. And that makes sense because he had four brand new starters in the skill group. And you could, I guess you could argue five. Ramondre Stevenson is the rookie who's sort of rotational, but in the starters. And then the true starters, Johnny Smith, Hunter Henry, Nelson Aguilar, Kendrick Bourne, all free agents, all new. So he's getting to know these guys. And as a result, we see like quirks in the offense, like that downfield blocking uh, to spring receivers. And it's really, it's starting to come together in a way that makes Mac Jones look even better than his admittedly average play. <laughs> yeah, and, and it is brilliant the way that they're doing it because they know that Mac is so accurate with short passes. And, and what he doesn't do well is he doesn't, hit the downfield throws with as much accuracy, right? He's not as accurate going down the field. We saw it on that Hunter Henry throw. Um, it's just a brilliant way to scheme it up. And, and real quick for our, our listeners, uh, hit the subscribe button for us. You can search the Patriots Wire on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, whatever works best for you. We appreciate you. And again, just search the Patriots Wire. We should be easy to find. And yeah, you look at Max. Average yards per completion in this game against the Titans, Henry, 9.7 yards. So it it looks really good on paper. That's another example of it. But it is a bit inflated considering where each ball was caught and how it was advanced. And I just want to like make sure we, we highlight that this isn't to say that Mac Jones sucks. It just goes back to you know what Josh McDaniels was saying in that clip that we opened the show with. It's to remind everyone that he's a rookie quarterback and they're still managing him very heavily. McDaniels basically came out and said, we're just fine as long as he doesn't throw an interception. And he's, and he's showing improvement each game. And he's doing what we want him to do. They're not really looking for him to have these big box score kind of games. But yeah, I, I just found that it was, it was super interesting. Like on that block from Jacoby Myers that sprung Kendrick Bourne down the sideline, you could see the wheels turning for, for uh, Myers, right? He's coming down. He's making sure he doesn't get like an illegal block in the back, Henry. But he knows he's coming in for that block. It is so schemed. And uh, I, don't know, I don't know if you see that around the league very often what the Patriots are doing with the with these receivers. It is it is fascinating, man. But you got any other takeaways from this game against the Titans? I know this this Titans team was banged up and, you know, they didn't have AJ Brown. They didn't have Julio Jones. Uh, you know, didn't have Derrick Henry. Uh and, you know, it, it almost seemed like Mike Vrabel said, screw this. We're not going to try to throw it against this great Patriots defense. We're just going to try to run it down their throats. And they had some success with that, but uh, you know, the Patriots winning convincingly, like They've been favored in these games, and they're not only covering each spread. They're covering each spread, I read, Henry, by like over 20 points. They're like blowing teams out, blowing away the spreads. They're just freaking on fire. Uh, what other takeaways did you have? What, other, what, what else stood out from this win over the Titans? I think you hit the nail on the head. Like The overarching takeaway is just how good they are, which is crazy. I mean, you just said it. Like We didn't – I think we were talking about betting – I think I was saying bet the over, but bet the Titans to take the points. And we, we I, made I was that. on the Titans. Yep. I was on the Titans side of a seven and a half spread. I was. Right. And so, I mean, I think I might have changed my tune on that as AJ Brown went down. Um, they had a they had a series of like tough injuries to the point where that offense was rendered basically without any positive skill players. 
or any special ones. And that's what they need, honestly, with Ryan Tannehill. He needs, you know, Julio Jones, AJ Brown, Derrick Henry, and he had none of them. Yeah. But the Titans are still a good team, even even without those top players. You know, they have a good offensive line. They were kind of plugging and playing a bunch of running backs that are not particularly talented, but because the the line is so good, it helps them be productive. And we saw that. Like the Patriots run defense didn't look very good because of how good the offensive line was at creating space. So I think the point is this is a this is a really good Patriots team. The fact that they could blow out another good, admittedly injured number one team in the AFC. I mean, that's that's very impressive. So I think it's time to see whether they finish number one, basically. That's that's kind of what their goal should be, is can they be the number one team in the AFC? Because the only real threat in my mind are the Chiefs. The the other team that is legit, I think, but but too young is the Bengals. I like their talent level, but I don't like their experience level. I think that they're going to have inconsistency issues. And, and then the Ravens have massive consistency problems. What about the Bills, um, Henry? Where are your Bills? Well, yeah, that's, I guess that's you haven't the, got the to transition them yet. that we needed. <laughs> yeah, right? that is, that is, yeah. I, I think the Bills are flailing. <laughs> I think they're not, right now, they're not a good football team. I could see them being good just because they have the right combination, but they've had the right combination all season and they haven't pulled it together. So, I don't have a ton of faith in them to get their act together. So you're not you're not buying into that blowout win over the Saints on Thanksgiving night. You don't think their problems are solved? No, <laughs> <laughs> no, no. And we'll get into that game more in depth. And, and basically, where I'm at, just to, as a teaser, if the Patriots are ready to go into Buffalo, to go into that you know insane environment on Monday night with a, a desperate Bills team back against the wall, and they can beat Josh Allen and that team in that in that building and win their seventh straight then yes, I'm all in. I'm all in, number one seed, Super Bowl. Like, I'm going to start doing all that. But not until they prove that they can win that game. And, and I'm, not sure, I'm not sure they can go in there and win. That's going to be an interesting conversation because I think Henry might be on the other side of that. But first, let's get our fantasy advice from the huddle.com. And then I got some questions about the defense. Henry kind of hit on it. We're going to go in-depth about the Patriots' defense and especially how poorly they fared against the run in this game. We'll do that right after this. This is the Typico Sportsbook Fantasy Minute. Let's make this interesting. Interesting. Corey Benini here with TheHuddle.com to bring you strong plays for Week 13. Quarterback Taylor Heineke, Washington football team at Las Vegas Raiders. While Heineke has multiple touchdown passes in only one of the last seven outings, this could be a get-right game for the gunslinger against a Las Vegas defense that has yielded 25.9-plus PPR points to four quarterbacks in the last six games. Over the last three weeks, this matchup is 36.2% easier to exploit than the league average, largely thanks to Patrick Mahomes, but even Teddy Bridgewater dropped nearly 30 points against his defense going back to Week 6. Heineke and Washington Washington have momentum on their side, and the quarterback has the weaponry to approach 25 fantasy points. Running back Alexander Madison, Minnesota Vikings at Detroit Lions. Madison will make his third start of the year with Dalvin Cook set to miss time with a shoulder injury. The Boise State product was thrust into the same role as Cook in the two prior starts, rushing 26 times for 112 yards and 25 for 113 in weeks 3 and 5 respectively. He added 6 catches for 59 yards and 7 catches, 40 yards, and a touchdown via the passing game in those same two contests. The 
Lions were his Week 5 opponent, and they allowed 28.3 PPR points. Detroit has been among the softest of softies versus running backs in this season, giving up 17 total touchdowns in 11 games, including 7 receiving scores and 141.4 total yards per game on average. Pittsburgh Steelers wide receiver Chase Claypool versus Baltimore Ravens. Claypool has come on a little bit of late, registering eight catches on 17 targets in the last two games since returning from a toe injury in Week 10. He has not scored since Week 5, but has a better-than-average chance if he can avoid Marlon Humphrey more often than not. Deontay Johnson should see Humphrey more than he'll see Anthony Averett, which leaves Claypool to exploit one of the best individual matchups of the year. And even if he draws Humphrey, the Pro Bowl cornerback hasn't been as strong as he had in recent years. Something in the neighborhood of 15 to 18 PPR points can be expected. CJ Uzama, Cincinnati Bengals versus Los Angeles Chargers. LA has done a good job of limiting tight ends yardage and receptions, but also has been the easiest defense to play against in terms of getting into the end zone. And that is the only reason why anyone should consider playing Uzama in fantasy. He has been mostly useless since a midseason spurt of five touchdowns in four games, so realize any inclusion of him into a fantasy lineup is among the wildest of gambles in week 13. Be sure to check out thehuddle.com for more award-winning content as we help put you into the playoffs. That was your typical sportsbook fantasy minute. Win your fantasy football league with thehuddle.com and use them to dominate player prop bets at Typico Sportsbook. For a limited time, new Typico Sportsbook users in Colorado and New Jersey from this podcast will enjoy a special welcome bonus. Get your bonus today at usatodaybet.com slash podcast. That's usatodaybet.com slash podcast. See typico.com for terms and conditions. 21 plus only gambling problem. Call 1-800-GAMBLER in New Jersey. 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado. All right, Henry, I think we did basically a whole podcast on how the Patriots have successfully masked their struggles in man-to-man defense, and we did that show. We picked on Jalen Mills a little bit, talked about how the Pats were scheming up zones and and protecting themselves from having to play man-to-man. Now I want to know if, like, on the defensive side, should we be concerned about their ability now to stop the run? Because the Titans rushed the ball 39 times for 270 yards in this game, and they averaged seven yards per carry. And I wouldn't be worried if it was Derrick Henry because he does that to everybody. Um, But, you know, this was Dontrell Hilliard and Deonta Foreman. I mean, two guys I've literally never heard of until this past weekend. Like, I've never heard of these two running backs. So I think, yeah, those yards are kind of scary. One thing we say with the Patriots defense all the time is, who cares about the yards? Let's look at the points they allowed. And the Patriots didn't give up a lot of points, so it didn't come back to bite them. But, you know, when the guy's running 68 yards down the field and you sneak up behind him and punch it out and get the takeaway, I mean, okay, I guess you negate those yards, but you can't count on that all the time, right? The Patriots kind of saved their own bacon by forcing the three turnover or forcing the three fumbles and also picking off a, a Tannehill pass, right? So the yards in this game, the rushing yards, a little nerve-wracking for me because you could face the Titans again down the road. You could face the Colts in the playoffs. You could face a team like the Ravens, as you mentioned. Maybe even like a dark horse team like the Broncos get in who run the ball a lot. Like, should we be concerned about the Patriots' run defense? Because if you're a zone-heavy team that just takes away the pass and really confuses quarterbacks, well, aren't teams just going to turn around and run it down your throat then if you're struggling against the run? Like, 39 carries, 270 yards, 7 yards per carry. That's a little concerning to me. Are you concerned? I think it's one game right now. And the good news about that sort of not strong take is that we'll have a better ruling over the next two weeks. Last season, the Bills offense was one of the best passing offenses in the league, but like kind of as a troll to the Patriots and 
and like to prove themselves to the rest of the league in one of the matchups, all the bills did was run the football. They just ran it until the Patriots could stop them. And you probably remember the Patriots couldn't stop them. So the bills just kept running, even though they were not a good football team when it came to the run game. I kind of think Brian Dayball might do the same thing. He's the offensive coordinator in Buffalo came from the Patriots system or came up in their ranks, went to Alabama, ended up in, with the Bills. I think we'll see a lot of running because that's the clear weakness for this team. And then the Patriots will have to stop it. And I think they will do an okay job stopping it, but just decent enough to the point where the Bills will stay committed to it. And ultimately that'll bite them because you 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 do need to use the passing game. You, you do need to lean into your strengths against this Patriots team. And for the the Titans, they couldn't lean into the passing game at all. Vrabel said, screw this. We're not doing it. We're not doing it. Yeah, We're not playing into Belichick's hands. Right. They knew they didn't have a chance. And and that their strength really was in the running game. They just had to trust their defense to stop the Patriots offense, and it didn't work. Versus the Bills, maybe they have a chance. And the Colts in particular, a team that just blew out the Bills 41-15. Scary. Scary. That's a team that I think can actually use that run game to their advantage to set themselves up to at least not necessarily win in the passing game uh, against the Patriots defense, but at least not have their game plan fall apart. Cause that's kind of what the Patriots do. They're like, they're like, yeah, it's okay. Keep running the ball. Like you'll be fine. Not nah, they like have a takeaway. They've got an interception. They've got a fumble force fumble. They kind of like bait you into thinking that like running the ball on them is going to work. And then they, they generate a takeaway and that really shifts the momentum of the game to the point where like teams think, Oh, ball, ball control is going to work here. And then it really backfires because the Patriots just keep taking the ball away, keep scoring with efficiency, even if it's just like field goal after field goal. So the bills, I don't know if they can, if they're going to like run with the Patriots to that degree because they've been so inconsistent. Um, I don't read much into blowing out, a Saints team led by um, who Trevor Simeon. <laughs> yeah, Trevor Simeon, who got benched, and then uh, Blake Gillikin. I mean, ugh. Yeah, and then it's, it just then, sounds bad yeah. coming out of the mouth. Right. So I think uh, I think if you're really worried about a game and you really think a team can can beat the Patriots defense, which is really the key to beating this team as a whole, then it's probably the Colts. That will be the most fascinating test for them in the coming weeks. The good news for the Pats, Henry, is that the Bills, they, they struggle so much to run the football that if this is a perceived weakness of the Patriots, we're not going to see it this week because you know they just benched Zach Moss. He was a, a, a healthy scratch against the Saints, and they started Matt Breida, who was, and he, I, I don't know if he was on their practice squad or just an inactive in the, early in the season, but now they're going with Matt Breida. He started the game. So the, the Bills are trying everything they can to run the football, but really Josh Allen's probably their best back and uh, in, in the run game, and that's scary to think. But the, the more I talk to you, Henry, the more I think you just don't believe in the Bills and you think the Pats are going to go into Buffalo and win this ballgame. I just have a feeling that's where you're going, and I can't wait any longer. So on the other side, we're going to get into this matchup, Bills-Pats on Monday Night Football. We'll be right back. This is the Typical Sports Book Minute. Let's make this interesting. What's up? This is Jeff Clark from the Bet Slippin' Podcast presented by SportsbookWire.com. I'm here with my handicapping homie Nathan Beagle to break down this week's Sunday night football game between the Cleveland Browns and the Baltimore Ravens. The 
Baltimore Ravens are favored three and a half. The total is 45 and a half. I'm on the Cleveland Browns getting three and the hook. Football Outsiders actually grades the Browns higher than Baltimore. I think it could be a get right spot for Cleveland's offense playing against a banged up uh, Baltimore defensive line and a banged up Baltimore secondary. Nate, how do you see this game playing out? So Baltimore averages the most rushing yards per game, and the Browns are giving up more than 165 per game. Give me Lamar in the points. Also, the Browns have not lost by less than three this season. Three and a half it is. That was your typical Sportsbook Minute. For a limited time, new users in Colorado and New Jersey from this podcast will enjoy a special welcome bonus. Get your bonus today at usatodaybet.com slash podcast. That's usatodaybet.com slash podcast. See typico.com for terms and conditions. 21 plus only gambling problem. Call 1-800-GAMBLER in New Jersey. 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado. All right. Patriots at Bills. Monday night football. The Pats are in first place in the AFC East. The Bills in second. What a freaking event. Week 13. Henry, I can't wait for this game. Uh, And the line has been very interesting. The Bills were favored by three and a half points to start the week. Three and a half points? Three and a half points. When I saw that line on Monday, I was like, holy crap, how can you not bet, bet the Patriots at three and a half? And I looked at my little apps that I use that, you know, that you know, sports betting apps and stuff that kind of give advice and write articles and everyone's saying, bet the Patriots, bet the Patriots, bet the Patriots. And clearly a lot of money has come in on the Pats because the line has moved a full point from Monday to Tuesday from three and a half to two and a half. So the Pats are two and a half point dogs going to Buffalo. You know, we talked about the significance of wins and losses early in the season and that not all wins are equal, not all blowouts are equal. I didn't think much of their blowout wins of the Jets, for example. And I certainly don't think much of the Bills blowing out a very injured Saints team without Alvin Kamara, without Jameis Winston. Uh, it's just a really bad offensive situation there right now in New Orleans. So that's what the Bills are coming off of, a win over the Saints. When you want to look at like, where they're really at as a team, I, I really want to point at that 41-15 loss to the Colts two weeks ago. I do not think, or rather I do think, that that's the best representation of, of this team. And you were there, I think, at this game. And I, and I, I kind of think back to, right, you were talking about how as the Colts began to pull away, Bills fans just left. They, it, you know, they were done. Imagine a, sun, a Monday night game where the Patriots pull ahead by 14 points in the first quarter, which they've started to be able to do. They've started to build fast leads against teams. Imagine that happens. What happens to the home field advantage, right? Because that's, I mean, that's really what those two and a half points are based upon, I think, is these are two very even teams, right? The, the Patriots lead the AFC East at eight and four, and the Bills are second at seven and four. The Patriots have more momentum. They're peaking kind of. The bills are kind of declining. It seems like the NFL is sort of figuring them out. But I'd say all in all, pretty even teams. That two and a half points is probably about the fact that they're at next era field or whatever it's called now. I think the it's bills Highmark Stadium. Stadium now. It's new. Okay, yeah. Or new, whatever it was previously. New era? I forget. Anyway, that field is what matters. That's the two and a half points. And I don't know that it will actually come into play if the Patriots can get that quick lead. It'll probably be really cold. On Monday night, fans won't want to be there, especially if it gets to be lopsided. I think the Patriots can probably put the the Bills away in this game. And then it will be fascinating. Colts next, Bills again at Gillette Stadium. This this next three-game stretch is going to be wild. Epic, yeah. And 
I think there's a lot of reasons why I'd be worried if I was a Bills fan, right? The Bills have struggled against those that too deep zone where teams dare the Bills to run. They know they can't run it, so they just play the pass, play like a prevent style almost defense, make the Bills dink and dunk up the field, and that's not kind of what Josh Allen wants to do. Make Josh Allen be uh, accurate, throw in the tight windows, and and do that thing. You know, it, the Bills have struggled against that. They've also had guys in and out in the trenches, which I think has hurt them, and they have some guys coming back. I think they have some some of their offensive linemen, and I think Star Latulier, their good nose tackles, is supposed to come back as well. So they might have some reinforcements coming. They were a little shorthanded against the Colts. The Colts definitely ran them over. But I, I, I just think, like, zone defenses... The Bills have struggled against that. I think that's what the Jaguars did to them when they won 9-6. to six. The Jaguars beat the Bills. Um, and then on the other side of the ball, the Bills have struggled against really tough physical offensive lines that can run the ball down your throat, right? They lost to Tennessee. They got pummeled by the Colts. And the Patriots will probably try to line up, right, Henry, and just smash it down their throat with Damian Harris and Ramondre Stevenson. So I think in a lot of ways, the Pats are a bad matchup for Buffalo, a Buffalo team that's still is clearly trying to find their way and get back on track. But I still hesitate to pick the Patriots to win it outright. I do. I, I still think that it's still the Bills. They won the division last year. They're still the team. The Patriots have the rookie quarterback. It's Mac Jones versus Josh Allen. And, you know, this winning streak the Pats are on. I mean, it's not like we've beaten a bunch of world beaters. Mike White, Justin Herbert, Sam Darnold, Baker Mayfield, Matt Ryan, Ryan Tannehill. Like, we've lost to Tom Brady. We lost to Dak Prescott. Close games. And I think this is going to be a close game, a dogfight all the way through. I just wouldn't be surprised if the Pats end up dropping this one and then go and win the game at home in Foxborough in a couple weeks. That's kind of what I'm predicting. I think the Pats are going to lose a close game in Buffalo because Buffalo's the more desperate team and they got the better quarterback. And I hope Pats fans don't jump down my throat. I'm a Pats fan too, and I love Mac Jones. But he's a rookie, and the Patriots are managing him and bringing him along. He's not Josh Allen yet. So I think if I was betting the game, and I'm not, but if I was betting the game, I would probably bet the Bills' money line. But tell me why I'm stupid, Henry. Like, tell me why that's the wrong pick. Because I do think, you know, for a lot of reasons, the Patriots are a terrible matchup for the Bills, and they're going to go in there and give them hell. I just think at the end of the day, the Bills are going to find a way. Their backs are against the wall. They have to win this game at home. I think they will. Yeah, I think they're going to win. But I do understand what you're saying. A letdown loss is coming. Like, it's on the horizon, in my opinion. Yeah. The thing is, <laughs> if you're going to bet the Patriots for the next four weeks, I think they'll probably have, like, one, one maybe two letdown losses, right? And now that gets more complicated with the line. But I don't know. I, I feel like I'm picking them here, and I'll probably pick them the rest of the way in the season, knowing that they'll, they'll drop one, right? Or maybe two. Again, I, I keep kind of hedging it with that because I don't know. Maybe they, they split games with the Bills and maybe they lose to the Colts. But I, yeah, I kind of just want to keep picking them because as much as I'm kind of conflicted about this mentality that they've created, which is we, we were a two and four team and we wanted to prove it to everyone. It's like, okay, yeah, but like now you're the second team in the AFC and it's kind of hard to maintain that facade of like, oh, nobody respects us. It's like, I don't know. But no. but again, we, we've seen them do this. It's crazy. Like all the way into the Super Bowl, Tom Brady was like, everybody thinks we suck. It's like, nobody thinks we <laughs> suck anymore. Nobody does. But Belichick just brainwashes them into thinking it. So Turn on ESPN at 8 a.m. and listen to Dan Orlovsky talk about Mac Jones and the Patriots offense. Like, yeah, yeah no, exactly. He's frothing. Oh, yeah. Frothing over Mac Jones. So, cold yeah. 
<laughs> so I think I think ultimately we've got we've got a, a Patriots team that is better than the Bills team, and Belichick's doing a good enough job controlling these guys' emotions that a letdown game doesn't seem to be on. I don't know that it comes here. Yeah, I, I hear what you're saying. I, I think I just need to see it first. Like you played the Bucks really close, but you lost that game. You played the Cowboys really close, but you lost that game. If the Patriots play the Bills close and win this game, like I said, I'm all in. I think they're going to go to this freaking Super Bowl. If they go into Buffalo and win this game and bury the Bills in the AFC East, and we've already caught the Bills and already surpassed them, then I'm all in. I'm all. I'm absolutely all in. But Bills money line? Nah, I can't bet that. You know, I just can't do it. So if I'm making a bet, Henry, here's where I'm going to bet. The total is 43 and a half. 43 and a half. Why is it so low? I think it's because the Bills have a really good defense statistically. I think they're one or two in the whole league in total defense. And the Patriots have just been shutting down teams left and right. So I think that's why this line is weighed down. But I actually think like that line's too low. I think like there could be some points in this game. I think it's a Monday night game. Like there's gonna be I think the Bills are gonna get some they're gonna they're gonna make some plays. Josh Allen, Stephon Diggs. Stephon Diggs burned JC Jackson last year. Right? You remember that game? Like, I don't know. Like, I think the Bills are going to score some points. I think the Patriots' offense is hot and on fire. I think some points could, be, could get. I think some points could get scored in this game. I think forty-three and a half is way too low for me, and I would lean over. And if I am going to bet on this game to make it a little interesting for me on Monday night, I might bet the over. Yeah, I would take over there. Patriots are going over a lot this year. I don't know the exact stats, but. I mean, it, the last game, they, there was a total of 49, and that was a total blowout one-sided. Yeah. Um, Patriots put up 36 points against the t- Titans. So I think ultimately the Patriots are really trying to score more in the end zone, in the red zone, rather. Um, they have one of the worst red zone percentages, but they have one of the highest scoring percentages, if that makes sense. But what that basically translates to is, they score a ton of field goals, not a ton of touchdowns, but it's okay because they score a lot in total, and so that's fine. Um, but, yeah, so I think they're going to keep scoring a lot. I think the Bills are going to get points, and so take the over. And if you're with me on the Pats winning this game, you could take the you could take them to cover. Yeah, two and a half points. I mean, I'm surprised. I, am surprised. I, was, I was stunned at three and a half to open up. Uh, and the the line is holding at two and a half. It'll be interesting to see if it moves. I mean, if it holds at two and a half, it's like, what do the sport? What do the odds makers know that we don't? And I think they're just banking that the bills are, the bills are going to find a way. They're going to find a way. But man, I I don't know. I wouldn't want to be a fan of that team right now. I, again, Henry, I saw I saw it in that game against the Colts. They are teetering right now. Those fans are very nervous. So uh, man, what an event. Pats at Bills. I mean, this this feels like the biggest Monday night game in, in NFL history right now. That just this is how it feels, and uh, we're already back to that post Brady. We're already back to this these big Monday night battles where you can look forward to it all weekend. And I don't know, man. I'm I'm nerding out as a fan right now. I'm ready for it, man. It's gonna be that's gonna be a, an epic epic night on Monday. I can't wait. Your th- your enthusiasm is palpable. It's happening. <laughs> I'm fired up, man. So. For Henry McKenna, I'm Ryan O'Leary. We appreciate you all. Hit that subscribe button for us, and we will catch you after Bill's Pats on Monday night. Catch you then.
This USA Today Sports Podcast has been presented by USA Today's Sports Media Group and is available in your favorite podcast store. Make sure to subscribe for weekly updates, the latest fantasy picks from Corey Bonini, and the Huddle Podcast, Inside the Weekly Line, with Sportsbook Wire's Jeff Clark and Eston McLaren, and the Bet Slippin' Podcast. We'll see you again next week.